We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. God is so good. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you want to go ahead and mark uh, John the seventh chapter and Luke the third chapter, and then we'll give you some more verses when we get into this today. But before I do get into this, I want to just make it clear we are back in the house on Wednesday nights. So uh, we are having classes for every age group, so uh, come out and be with us on Wednesday at 7. Um, we have youth group going on upstairs, our college ages meeting, our children are meeting, and also our senior adult and our adult class are meeting in here together right now so that we can adequately space people out. And uh, so please uh, make, make note of that, be aware of that. Our God is good, so uh, I just want to kind of jump into my thoughts today and, and share with you uh, a few things about how we need fire. Uh, we've been talking about revival over the last uh, few months, and we've been talking about revival in our church, in our nation, our world, and the more I look, the more I know, uh, and I've come to be settled upon the fact that we need a move of God, and we need an unprecedented move of God. And that, I mean, I believe, I guess what I'm getting at is we need another great awakening in this country. There's been several great awakenings in our country and in our world. We need a great awakening. And I do believe that God has orchestrated things to get the attention of his people that we might respond to what the Spirit is challenging us in this hour. And as I was gathering those thoughts and as I was coming to uh, to. Be ready to share with you this morning, praying over what I should share this morning. Um, I kept coming back to what we really need is fire. What we really need is fire. We need the spirit. We need the presence of the fire uh, of God. We need the fire that only God can give us. We need the Holy Spirit fire or the Holy Ghost fire, however you want to word it. The, the word ghost and spirit are interchangeable in the word because they come from one Greek word, which means is pneuma. And so however you translate that, we need it. Amen. We need God to move. We need God to, to pour out his spirit. And I believe that we are living in that hour. It has been said, today is the first day of the rest of your life. You ever heard that phrase? Or maybe that's been said to you. Um, I've, I've seen people get saved and, and, and somebody look at them and say, today is the first day of the rest of your life. In other words, your life is now beginning. Uh, I've heard it at commencement uh, services. I've heard it in a lot of different forms and a lot of different places. But if that is true about today, then that means that God has ordained that, there might, that you and I would have an encounter with him today. And I believe with all my heart that we didn't just come to church, whether uh, you know it or not, you're here by divine appointment. You're here because God has spoken to you and said, this is where you need to be today. And so if you're here today, it is by divine appointment. I believe that in all my heart. And if you're here by divine appointment, then that means God has something he wants to share with you today, something he wants to do in you today. Depending on how you came into this celebration service today will be, will, will be uh, really what you receive. If you came just marking 
marking church off your list, then you'll probably be able to leave here just doing that, marking church off your list, because good Christians go to church, amen? But if you came into this house expecting something from the Lord, if you tuned in online expecting something from the Lord today, then I'm here to tell you He is a God that will meet and exceed your expectations if you will allow yourself to be open to His Spirit today. What you came for will be determined by the factors in which you are here or where you're watching or, or what it, what, however you're involved today. Because God promised to His children our, our yes and amen, alright? He's saying, I, I'm ready to do some great work. But there's got to be a soul hunger in us if we're going to see a move of God. I believe that God is bringing people to a place where they're hungry for more than just a, 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 a peace of mind. They're ready for a peace of soul. They're ready for peace to be in who they are and walk through the things that are facing our world with a courage that only God's Spirit can give. John 7, 37 through 39, Jesus bust up into the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles or, or, or the Feast of Booths as it's called uh, and he shares these words. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom, uh, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. We begin this message today, and I don't know how many of you, uh, how many of you have big Thanksgiving services? Or, or Thanksgiving dinners. Anybody? Th Thanksgiving dinners? Okay. The rest of you, you don't eat. Okay. A anybody have big Thanksgiving meals? Okay. We, we cook a little more. We do a little more. Okay. How many of you have ever, you know, you've eaten a whole lot of food and you, you don't think you can eat anymore? You're, you're to the picking and the grinning stage and you're sitting there maybe getting ready to watch some football. Maybe watch the rest of, I don't know what you do on Thanksgiving, what your traditions are. Um, and you're, late, you're, you're sitting there and you're like, I can't eat another bite. And somebody comes by and says, you want a piece of that pie? Yeah, I'll have a little piece. Can you imagine after you've had your meal and you've had your piece of pie and you are so full you can't move, all of a sudden Jesus busts up in the middle of that and says, if anybody's hungry, if anybody's thirsty, then come to me and I will give you drink. And what I give you will come out of the heart of you a source of life and strength and it will flow out of your life. I want you to know today God is ready for His Spirit to flow out of His people once again. To flow out of His church. And by saying flowing out of His church I don't mean opening up the double doors in the back and allowing a river to flow out of here. You and I are the, are, are, are the people of God. You and I are the church. And God is ready for our of us to flow a source of hope and life. God's ready to do that in us. He says, out of you. And so think of how foolish that sounded in that, in that crowd the last day of the feast after everybody had gorged themselves. And, and now Jesus is saying, what was he appealing to? He's saying, what you have tried to satisfy, what you have forgotten by uh, uh, this celebration. Of being, what is that? The celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles was about the, the, the dedication of the tabernacle. What happened? The Spirit of God showed up. And the Spirit of God was rich and real when they dedicated. And now they did this feast to recognize 
recognize that and to remember that. And he's saying, you forgot that, 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 that this was about the presence of God coming to you. So no longer is it a tent, but it's a heart. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is here. That's what he was saying to them. I am here, the Son of God. And if you come to me, I'll create in you a source of life that flows out of you. And others will see it. Our anchor verse today is Luke 3.16. Now it said that he spoke this concerning what? The spirit which had not yet been given. Because Jesus was not yet crucified and then glorified. But Jesus said, I got to go away. If I go away, I'm sending a helper. Anybody in this room ever had a situation or maybe going through a situation in their life where you know that you got to have God's help and nobody else's help? If God doesn't come through, then nothing's going to happen. There's not a, no, no amount of counsel, no amount of talking, no amount of anything going to help that situation. you got to have the divine help of God. If that's you, I'm here to tell you God said, I'll go away. Uh, Jesus said, I'm going so I can send you a helper, a comforter, somebody that can help you when I can, in, in those divine situations that only God can, can intervene in. Luke 3.16 says, John answered all of them, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. What was John? Listen, John the Baptist was a great man. As a matter of fact, Jesus declared there was not one born of woman greater than John the Baptist. He was a powerful man of God. As a matter of fact, he, he had his church services were held in in the wilderness and people packed out the house you know what I'm saying multitudes would come out into the wilderness to hear John preach he preached repentance and then he, he baptized Jesus shows up one day and he's saying look uh, I need to be baptized John said by you and John says no I want to be baptized by you and what does Jesus say he says suffer this put up with it John so that the scripture might be fulfilled and so Jesus is baptized the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove and there the fire and the presence of God God begins to move and work upon Jesus' life and ministry. And he did this not because he wasn't God. He did this to show you that you're going to need not just Jesus in your heart, but the Holy Spirit working in your life. Amen. That's why he did it. And so the Bible says that John says, there, there's one coming that's mightier than me, that's coming that I can't, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. That's what he's saying. And he's saying when he comes, he's not going to just baptize. He's not going to baptize with water. As a matter of fact, only in Scripture do we see Jesus baptized his disciples. He didn't ever baptize anybody else. After he baptized his disciples, he then looks at his disciples and says, now you go and baptize. But Jesus, the Bible says that John, that Jesus, he says there's one coming that he's not just going to baptize. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And fire. Fire represents power. Fire represents uh, strength. Fire represents the Spirit of God moving and working. He's saying there's one coming that's going to do that. In other words, our prayer needs to be this morning, Lord, baptize us with the Word this morning, which we are reading. Let the fire of God ignite in us. Amen. That fire of God I'm talking about is the word of God is preached this morning that we want in us is the same fire that the disciples felt on the road to Emmaus. Remember, Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has been buried. The disciples leave Emmaus and they're going, uh, they're on the road to Emmaus and all of a sudden a stranger joins with them. That stranger's walking with them. He says, why are you so sad? They begin to tell him, said, you haven't heard of Jesus of Nazareth? Don't you love it? They didn't recognize Jesus, but Jesus was right there with them. 
And all of a sudden they say, they say, well, you hadn't heard about Jesus? They said, you know, we thought he was the one. You've got to read their language there. All of our hopes was that he was the Messiah, but now the Messiah, he, he, was, he, he was crucified. He's dead. He's on the, he, he was put on a cross. Now he's in the grave. And so then the Bible says that this stranger who is Jesus begins with Moses and carries them all the way through the gospel story. And all of a sudden, as they get ready to stop and make camp, this, this stranger, Jesus, is going to go by them. I preached a message in youth camp called Sneaky Jesus one time. He's walking away and they say, wait a minute, can't you, can't you have bread with us? And so they sit down by the campfire and all of a sudden Jesus blesses the bread and breaks it. All of a sudden they realize who he is and he disappears out of their sight. And as they run back to the, uh, the disciples, I love it, as the fire hits them and they run back to the disciples, they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke to us? I'm here to tell you, God's wanting your heart to be on fire this morning. He's wanting to ignite a flame in you this morning that when you leave this place, the world knows you've been with Jesus, not just been to church. Amen. 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 What is fire? There's several steps you take to starting a fire, a physical fire. The first thing you need is you need tinder. You need, you need a starter. You need something that will burn and burn cleanly. And, and usually you can find that some paper or you might find some, you know, a, a, dry, a dried up bird's nest. Vacated, please. A bird's nest. Or you might find, I was reading the other day, dryer lint. Dryer lint's a good fire starter. Did you know that? A lot of backpackers keep it in Ziplocs because it's a good fire starter. What are you saying, Pastor? You, gotta have, you have to have tender. And the next thing you've got to have is you've got to have, uh, on top of that tender, once you get it going, you've got to have kindling. What is kindling? Kindling is small sticks and, 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 and you start putting those sticks on that tinder and they, and they begin to ignite and make small little coals. And then the final thing you've got to have is you've got to have uh, uh, fuel. Look at somebody and say, you've got to have fuel. Fuel can be logs, branches, and various sizes depending on how large you want the fire to be. It's extremely important to always have an, a, a sufficient amount of fuel already stocked up. I got news for you. I'm talking about a physical fire, but we need to listen to this in a spiritual sense. Some of us, we don't get our fire lit till we get to church because we don't have enough, we don't have enough fuel stocked up. Come on. But most importantly about the fuel, you got to use caution. If you get in a hurry and put too much fuel on the fire, the fire will go out. In other words, if you get a small little flame going and you get your tinder and you get your kindling going, if you don't feed it small sticks and build up to putting the big logs, if you just pile a bunch of big logs on that fire, it'll burn itself out and it'll be of no good. In other words, we got to know what we're doing. You must be patient in allowing the fire of God to grow in your life because it will grow sometimes at a slow pace. This reminds me of the words shared by Isaiah in Isaiah 28 verses 9 through 10. It says, to whom will he teach knowledge and to whom will he explain the message? Those who are weaned from milk, those who are taken from the breast. And then he answers his own question in verse 10. For it is precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. What is he saying? Little by little, a little at a time, I'm going to gradually feed that fire in your life till it is a blazing flame of glory to God to you that the world might see in you Jesus and want what you have amen 
We too need, we need that supply daily. Look at somebody and say, you need a supply of fuel. In other words, we need daily devotion time with God. So many people, the, the new phrase is quiet time, if you had your quiet time. I don't care if it's noisy time. I don't care if you're, you got the praise and worship music going and you're singing to, as long as it's you and God alone, you need to have that time. You need to have that time to talk to God and you need that time to listen to God. In other words, you need another source of fuel is attending church. Now, I do not mean occupying a seat. We have, we have plenty enough of people that want to just occupy a seat. I mean being involved, being ready, coming in the doors, expecting something from God. Not just listening to what the praise team's singing about, but singing from your heart to the Lord and allowing the fire of God to burn in you and grow in you. That's what it's all about, being involved, having accountability. Look at somebody saying, being accountable. Being accountable one to another, as the scripture says. There's something powerful when we find true biblical accountability with one another. Now, that doesn't mean we're accountable with everybody in the room, but I believe we should seek out people that we can bear our soul to and we can share our struggles with and that we can take our, if we're struggling with something sinful, that we can drag it out of the darkness and bring it into the light and say, look, brother, I gotta have your help. Look, sister, I gotta have your help. This is what I'm struggling with and if I can't be honest with somebody about it, I'm gonna continue to keep this thing in, hidden, in a hidden place. But there's something powerful when the truth finally comes to light. It's not always pleasant. We got to deal with some of the consequences of it being brought to light. How many of you have ever told a lie? All right, next week we'll talk about lying. How many of you ever told a lie? Just a little white one. <laughs> I don't know what the other color of lies are, but I've only heard white lies. I guess black, black lies. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe gray lies. I don't know what the other colors are. I've heard white lie all my life. A lie is a lie. Come on. How many of you like to be lied to? No. Neither does the Spirit of God because He knows the truth. And how many of you have ever no, seriously told a lie and, 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 and you realize finally you've held on to that thing so long when it finally comes to the surface, even though there were consequences, you were relieved. You were like, thank God that's finally out. I don't have to deal with that anymore. I don't have to put up with hiding that anymore. I don't have to lie more to keep that lie hit. Thank God, it's out. And yeah, there are consequences, but thank God I can finally, I, I'm relieved it's out. Look, some of us need to take some things that are hidden in our lives and drag them into the light so that God can set us free and keep us free. And the way he does that is finding someone to have accountability to. And that doesn't mean just anybody. You need to pray about who you're accountable to. You need to seek God, and I'm just going to, this one's for free. Men need to be taught, seeking out other men and women other women, amen, to be accountable to. Why? Because there's some struggles men only know how to talk to men about, and women only know to talk to other women about. We need each other in this walk. That's why we use the term brother and sister. Why? Because we're saying there's a connection. It's the blood of Jesus, and we need each other to push through this life. I'm here to tell you, we're not created to walk alone. You need accountability. We need to learn to cultivate a prayer life. In other words, do you realize your prayer life needs to be cultivated? When I first started praying, my prayers were very simple. But the, but the more I grew in my relationship with the Lord, the more intricate, the more detailed, the more the conversation grew. Amen? 
How many of you got a best friend? If you don't, I'll be your best friend. That's sad. How many of you got a close friend? You remember when before you were really close friends, the conversations were kind of light? I remember I had a roommate in college one time. First night in college, first time away from home. First, really strange feeling, you know, away, first time. Didn't know this guy from nobody. And, and so here we are sharing a room, a dorm room, and it's pitch black. And all of a sudden, he just opens up and he shares every dark secret and everything that's ever went on in his life with me. Number one, I'm thinking I'm getting a new roommate in the morning. But he shares all of it, and then there's that awkward silence. Because he told, he told it all. I'm telling you, that's like I said, church, tell it all, tell it all. He told it all. And it's just really quiet. And he says, well. I said, well, what? He says, what about you? I said, I don't know you, man. I'm going to sleep. You say, that was mean. I was, I was 19. I didn't care. It's like, I don't know you. There's got to be a little bit of trust built here. I'm glad you trust me and don't know me, but I gotta, I gotta have a little bit. Anybody like that in the house? Gotta be a little bit of trust built here before I just tell you everything that's going on in my life. But I'm here to tell you somewhere we gotta learn to trust somebody, and you need to find a godly resource in your life. I just feel like preaching that a little bit. You need to find a strong brother or a strong sister in the Lord. We can't help weak. Jesus said the blind can't lead the blind. Find somebody that's got some victory in their life. Connect with them and let them help you in this journey towards heaven fuel the flame fuel the flame and then the last thing I want to share where I could keep going on this is the last source of fuel as we need to develop a hearing ear we need to develop a hearing ear. In Revelations it says, let the, him that hath the ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We need to learn to hear God's voice and respond to it. And I'm here to tell you, that takes practice. We need to learn to hear his voice. You say, I've never heard the voice of God. I, I, I bet you I can point out before you leave right now uh, that you have heard the voice of God and you just didn't recognize it. If you have ever got up in the middle of a service and went to an altar to pray without somebody asking you to go with them, you heard the voice of God. If you have ever, how many of you ever have called somebody out of the blue because they were on your mind and said, I just wanted to check on you, see how you're doing. And they said, you just don't know how much I needed this today. How many of you have ever went and saw somebody, wrote a letter to somebody, sent a card to somebody, and, or, or received those? How many of you have ever had that happen to you, get a text message out of the blue? Just want you to know I'm praying for you today. And you're like, oh, how did they know what I was walking through today? How did they know what I was going through today? I'm here to tell you they didn't, but God did. And he says, I've made connection in my body that you might find fuel for your fire. Strength. The second thing I want to point out in this, this message today is fire can destroy if it's not properly used. Amen? If you, how many like a fireplace? Fireplaces are awesome. I love fireplaces. I can sit and watch fire all night long. I can watch it burn and I love it and it's, it's something soothing about it, something comfortable about it. But how many realize that that fire, if it's not tended properly, can get out of control? Amen? I can tell you now, some of us, Need to listen real careful here. If you douse a campfire with gasoline, you're definitely going to get a quick blaze. However, you may burn down the whole campsite and thousands of acres of forest in the process. Now, I don't dwell, I'm not going to dwell here real long, but I've watched a lot on the internet, TV, radio, and even local groups that get together, local assemblies, and if they're not careful, they're going to welcome strange fire into their midst. They're going to have a lot of fire, but no substance. 
I'm here to tell you what good does it do us this morning if we get emotionally shook up, but there's no change in our life. And I know people, they meet together and they shout the walls down, but when they leave the building, there's no change in their life. I'm here to tell you, God is looking not to just shake you and get you emotional, but He's looking that you will align your life with Him when you walk out these doors. The true sign of a, of a saint of God on fire is not a saint that can shout and quote Scripture. It is a saint that walks the walk even though nobody's looking. And nobody's there to say good job. We need the fire of God. But we need to make sure it's controlled. As a matter of fact, if you look in Leviticus 10, and I'm not going to read this today, but the two sons of Aaron, they brought strange fire into the camp or into the tabernacle, into the, into the holy place. The two sons of Aaron, what was the charge to the Levitical priesthood? To never let the fire go out. Why? Because that fire was divine. Guess what they did? They let it go out. And so they said, we can't let this happen. So they lit incense burners full of strange fire. The Bible says, not, not unsanctified fire is the actual translation. Fire God didn't send. And they brought it into the, into the presence of the Lord and fire came out of the ark and killed both of them. In other words, if we're not careful, we can have some strange fire and it not be God's fire. But I don't know about you, I want the real fire of God in my life. I want the genuine fire of God. I don't need another pep rally. I don't need another pat on the back. I need the genuine fire of God to make it through the world that we're facing today. I need the passion that only God can give through an encounter with His Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you, that Spirit's in the room. And if you'll open your life to it this morning, God will empower you to handle the things that are out there. Amen. He will empower you. Amen. But they brought strange fire. we got to be careful that we don't entertain strange fire. In other words, fire that is genuine, generated through man and not God. In other words, uh, it, it's all stored up and no substance. And, uh, we need to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman. I don't care. Listen here, I'm going I'm to share with you because I know some of you don't realize you're in a Pentecostal church this morning. Let me tell you something. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? About four of us do. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit, amen? I believe in the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, do you? And I'm going to tell you, I believe God speaks directly to His people at times. But I'm here to tell you, God will never speak a word that contradicts His written word. That's not God. That's strange fire, and you better throw it out of your life. God will never speak a word giving you permission to violate His written word. Do you hear me? For the Word of God is our check and balance to determine whether we have truly heard God's voice. So if somebody walks up to you and says, i got a word for you, you better hope it can be backed by the Word. If it's not backed by the Scripture, walk away. Walk away. Leave that thing alone because it is strange fire. Amen. That's free. Now I'm not teaching against the Word. I'm trying to remind us that we need the Word of God to fulfill our lives and to further His kingdom. And a little fire, a, a little fire safety is always good to practice. Amen? And, and in other words, we need to be able to check ourselves and make sure it aligns with God's Word.
The third thing I want to point out to you today is the blessing of the fire of the Spirit. I've showed some of the negative, now I want to show some of the positive things that fire can bring. When used properly, it can be a source of power or warmth and a purifying agent. In other words, do you realize still the majority of our power is not clean burning power, as they say. It's some form of fire that generates the electricity in this room today or in your homes if you're watching today. It's some form of fire. It's either coal being burned or it's or it's it's nuclear fusion going on. It's some kind of fire that's generating electricity. The majority of electricity is created that way with fire. And so when properly used, it can bring warmth and it can be a purifying agent. In other words, it can, bring, it can bring light to the masses. It can bring hope to the masses. If we're going to ever have power as saints of God, we must, and I say we must, have the fire of God's Word in our lives. It is the power in us. It is His power manifesting in us. It is our passion, and it will drive us to victory. Jesus said to the devil, it is written. We need the Word of God in order to defeat the devil. There's so many people, guess what? The devil is not afraid of you. The devil's not afraid of me. He doesn't fear anything I say. I can stand up and I can tell him everything I think he is. And he could care less what I have to say. But when my life is empowered by the Holy Spirit and, in, and, and infused with the Word of God, the devil has to listen. You see, Jesus was the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. Everything he spoke was Word. Everything Jesus said was Scripture. Amen. Because he was the Word made flesh. But for our sake, he references the Old Testament when dealing with the devil and says, it is written. It is written. It is written. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written, thou shalt have no other gods before you. It is written. It is written. And he did that, not because he couldn't have just stood there and said, get gone, devil. And the devil had to obey. He did that to show an example to you and I that when we're dealing with temptation in our life, when we're dealing with the devil in our life, we need to understand the Word of God and have it empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we can look at the devil and we can say, I don't have to give in to your temptation for it is written. It is written in the Scripture to submit myself unto God, to resist you and you have to flee. And I've got news for you. The devil will pack his bags and he'll get out of town every every time when it's in charge with the anointing and the Holy Spirit with the Word of God. Amen. We need the Word of God. It is the Word of God that teaches us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. It is a proven fact that when the Word is in our hearts, like it should be, we will have the warmth of God's love, the passion of God's love. Listen, in Matthew, Matthew 24 is getting quoted a lot in the day we're living in. And, and, but, but Jesus said this. He said, there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilence. And we all read that and we stop. But do you know the telltale sign that He gives that many people aren't preaching about today or sharing today? He said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. That word iniquity means lawlessness. What law do you think he was talking about? He wasn't talking about Roman law. He was talking about the word of God. He says, because the, and listen, he wasn't preaching to the world then. He was talking to the church. And he's saying, because there's such open disregard for what my word has to say, people's love is getting cold. 
I'm here to tell you, church, if it was the Bible 20 years ago, it's the Bible today. If it was the Bible 200 years ago, it's the Bible today. It is the Word of God. The Bible says the grass withers and the flower thereof fades away, but the Word of God shall stand, shall last forever. I'm here to tell you when the end is over, when all is said and done, the Bible says, and the books were opened and the saints were judged out of the book. What do you think, some hidden book? No. The books were open. The Word of God. You want hope in your life, get the Word of God in your life. Amen. Natural fire is a purifier. In other words, you put gold into the fire and when it's impure, after a, a certain amount of time, the impurities bubble to the top. They scrape it off and what you're left with is pure gold. You see, the heat of the fire eliminates other elements that aren't supposed to be in the gold, so all you got left is the reflected gold. God's holy fire puts us through the test as well. The Word makes us look at our own lives. It is the diagnosis of sin in our life. Paul said that without the, the Word, without the law, I wouldn't know I was a sinner. In other words, if you didn't know the law, you wouldn't know you sinned. Amen. He said, but I thank God for the law because it is the diagnosis of the heart. In other words, God is wanting to diagnose the heart of the church in this hour. He's wanting us to look into the Word and the things. Look, for too long we have ignored the Scripture when it's hit us head on. For too long we've like, I don't like that verse. Anybody? Do you realize there's verses in the Bible I don't like and I'm saying that truthfully. I would rather not them be there. Have anybody? In other words, I don't like that verse, Lord. The Lord doesn't look and say, okay, hey, that's cool. Find something you do like. It's a big book. God doesn't do that. He says it's all good. That's like walking up to the table of the Lord and saying, I, like, I, want, I want the steak, but I don't care for the peas and the carrots. God says, sit down, son, and eat what's good for you. Sit down and eat it all because it will grow, it will help you grow into a strong man of God, a strong woman of God. I'm here to tell you, we have picked around at the table of the Lord for too long. He's got a table spread. It's all good. He says, come and dine with me. Come sit down and eat of the word and find the strength you need to tell the devil no. Find the strength you need to see revival in the land. Amen. God's holy fire puts us through the test. It diagnoses us. I, I, I'm going to give you a quick, quick example. If you are saved in this room, when you heard the word of God, you found out what? Hey, I'm going to hell. I don't want to go there. It diagnosed you as what? A sinner. And so what did you do? You said, hey, i got to get right with God. So you came forward and you said, Lord, come into my life. I'm tired of the way I am. I surrender my life to you. You became a child of God. But if, something had, if the word had never been preached to you, you would have never known you were doing wrong. You would have never known you needed heaven. You would have never known you were headed to hell. I'm here to tell you, we don't need to be afraid to let the Word of God diagnose what's going on in the church today because we've got a lot of preachers telling us what's wrong in the church today. we got a lot of people prophesying what's wrong in the church today. I'm here to tell you, I'm to the point, I'm sick of hearing what everybody else has to say, and I'm on my knees before the Lord saying, God, you show me through your Word, not, what, not what's wrong with everybody else. What's going on in me? What in me is hindering me from your presence? Because you see, the problem is, if we're not careful, we'll begin to compare ourselves. In other words, I'm not doing everything I should do, but hey, I'm not like Isaac. I'm not doing everything I should do, but man, thank God. Thank God I'm not like Meredith. 
Do you see what we do? We compare ourselves and we find that I'm walking a little better walk than this person. So since I'm walking better in my eyes than this person, then I must be in good standing with God. And God's looking and saying, why don't you forget what's going on in them and get yourself straight with me and then you can go and help and restore your brother in love and restore your sister in love. But before you can do that, you got to deal with you. I think he said it best when he said, before you get the speck out of your brother's eye, get the log out of yours. God's got to deal with us, church, if we're going to see revival in Chattooga County. God's got to deal with us, church, if we're going to see revival in Georgia. God's got to deal with us if we're going to see revival in the United States and in the world around us. We need God to deal with us. And that means us as an individual. Because judgment begins in the house of the Lord and this is the house of the Lord. Everybody take your hands and point to your chest and say, I'm the house of the Lord. God doesn't deal in temples of stone and wood. God deals in the heart of men. And you and I are the tabernacle of the Lord. And he's saying, look, I'm going to come into your tabernacle today. And Lord, oh God, help us. He needs to turn over some tables in somebody's life today. He needs to flip them over and run out the thieves that have robbed God's spirit in our life. Have robbed us of the presence of God. He needs to turn them over and come in and say, I'm ready to cleanse you. And make you whole. Amen. In other words, he needs to get rid of some ungodly thoughts in us. Ungodly doesn't always mean we're thinking about bad stuff. Ungodly means we're not thinking of things about God. We're thinking about how can I fix it. Come on. We want to we think when somebody says ungodly thoughts, you're thinking about sinful thoughts. Oh, that must have, you must mean they got lust in their heart. They're lusting over everything. No, I'm telling you, an ungodly thought can be anything that robs us from thinking that God is the answer. That we got the answer. I don't have the answer, church. You don't have the answer, church. But there's one that does. He was called the great physician. He dwelt among us. His name is Jesus. He's here in this room. And whatever you are hurting about today, whatever you have need of today, our God will come into your temple and he'll cleanse it. He'll heal it. And he'll restore it. But you got to be open to it. It is the word that shapes and molds us into being the vessels that God can use. Come on. In other words, we need to be baptized in fire. The church was given in Matthew 28 an impossible task, and we're wrapping this up. The church was given an impossible task in Matthew 28, and that was to do what? To reach the entire world. These were not the elite minds of the world. As a matter of fact, most of them were were blue collar were, were, were blue collar workers. They they fished or they farmed or they took care of their families working by the sweat. Of, they weren't they were not the most elite minds of the day. And Jesus looks at them before he goes to heaven and before he ascends back to the Father. And he says, "Now you go and reach the world, the world." I think we read that scripture and we mentalize it. We, we, we don't realize the enormity of, of hearing that from a man who had walked on water. Come on, church. A man who had opened the eyes of the blind. Now he's saying, I'm leaving and I'm leaving it up to you to go to the world and share this gospel. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't know if we were standing there. We might have looked at each other, Richard, and said, I don't know what to do. Reach the world, Richard? I don't know how to reach the world. Let's get honest. How many knows how to reach Chattooga County? Some of us, we don't even know how to reach our family. 
Come on. We've, we've, we've wrestled with it. We've, we've, we've anguished. We're in anguish over it. We don't even know how to reach them or less reach the world. How do I reach the world? Oh, but then comes Acts 1 and 8. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then comes Acts 1 and 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Everybody say my family. That's your Jerusalem. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Everybody say my family. Come on. In all Judea. Everybody say Chattooga County. Samaria. Say Georgia. And the end of the world. Say the whole world. But you will receive power. <laughs> he brings them to the impossible and then supercharges them with saying, I know you can't do it. That's why I'm leaving so that the helper may come and he will give you the power to do that which was impossible to do. And later it would be written of the disciples, these were the men that did turn the world upside down. I'm ready to tell you God is ready to raise up some world flippers that flip upside down this world for God. I wonder if you want to be counted in that number. Before he can empower us to reach those who are lost, he must first reach those who are saved. I have preached repentance to this church steadily for months. Because it is my belief that when the church truly repents, revival will come like we've never seen before. That when we really release our pride, we repent of our self-sufficiency, and I think that's the biggest one. We, we can do church. We know how to do church. If anything, the last few months should have shown the whole church world is we don't know how to do church. One small little microscopic thing shut down churches across the world. I want you to think about that. And God's sitting there going, if you shut down, then you wasn't a church in the first place. I'm not talking about being safe and closing our doors. That's, get beyond that. I'm talking about many people shut down spiritually. Many people shut down because, again, the church isn't these physical doors. The church is the person that's been bought by the blood of Jesus. And if we've been bought by the... How many of it? I, I guess I can only be honest with me. As I say, it gets through me to get to you. But there's like, Lord, we're cruising. And now I can't even have a service and God's saying... What do you mean? What do you mean, Phil? My spirit doesn't know borders and boundaries and walls. My spirit doesn't recognize a virus. My spirit could care less who's in the White House. My spirit could care less who's, who's, house, who's in control of the houses of Congress. Why? Because I've ordained it anyway. And I'm using it all for one thing, to call a lost and dying world to repentance. But before the world can repent, my people need to repent. That's hard. 
And I think too many times we've sat back saying, repent of what? I'm, good. I'm a good Christian. I go to church. I read my Bible. I pray. Self-sufficiency. Thinking that we know how to do it. Folks, we don't know how to reach this county. <laughs> we don't know how to reach this world. That's why the Comforter is here. To burn in us with a passion that is not our own. Come on, you think about it for just a moment. You've been drawn to people at times because of their passion for God. And I just love talking to them. When I talk to them, things just seem like they're going to be better. Why? Not because of them, but because of the passion of God within them. The fire of God within them. Will you stand? I'll just be honest with you. I, I really don't know how to give this altar call today. Except to say this, if you really want what I'm preaching today, God will give it to you. If you really want the fire of God to become real in you, He'll send it to you. Because in this room today, yeah, we're fixing to baptize somebody. And that's great. But more importantly, God's ready to fill this church with the fire of His Spirit. Again, not the building. Not your living room at home or wherever you're watching this. He's ready to light the fire in your heart. A passionless people will see nothing. You show me a passionless marriage, I'll show you a dead marriage. You show me a passionless friendship, I'll show you a dying friendship. Amen? How many got that good friend you just love, and their number comes up on caller ID, you ain't going to block that call. You ain't going to filter that call. You answering it. That's my bud. That's, 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 my, that's my, yeah, I, I'm going to talk to them. Come on, don't even act like you don't filter your calls. You know, screen them. I believe God has an encounter for somebody in this room that is tired of just walking through the motions and are ready for passion. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you want that, you fill in the blank what that is. If you really want it in your life, you, maybe you're ready to turn your heart over to Jesus. Maybe you've never confessed Him as Savior. You really want the passion and the power of God to be real in you. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up and put it right back down. I'm not going to point you out. Thank you. There's some others. Come on. You really want that. You want that in your relationships. You want that in, in, in your friendships. You really want it. Then slip your hand up and put it right back down. Thank you. There's some others. There's some others. Come on. Obey the Lord. You're going to find, some, you're going to find the fire begin to touch you right now. I believe that with all my heart. Thank you. There's some others. Raise your hand. Thank you. Come on, you're ready for the passion of God, the power of God, the fire of God to fill you. You don't know how to reach your family. You don't know how to reach your loved ones. You don't know how to reach your friends. 
You don't know how to share this gospel with a lost and dying world, but God does. If that's you and you're saying, I'm ready for God to do it, Pastor. I'm ready for God to do it. Then, lay, then just raise your hand. Come on. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Then I'm going to ask you if you will. If you're comfortable, come pray now. Come on. Don't wait on somebody else. Come Take somebody by the hand. Come pray now. If you don't have anybody to come with you, you come by yourself. Somebody will pray with you. If you're not comfortable praying here, and I mean not comfortable in the sense you don't feel safe to do that yet, then you pray at your seat. But if you are being dealt with by God, and take a step forward. Let that actual physical step be a representation of a spiritual decision in your life. Come on. There's some people need to move right now. You need to move right now. You need to move right now. Come on. God is dealing with your heart, and you need to move. You need to move. Either kneeling at your seat or coming to this altar. One way or another, you need to move. I'll just wait till I get to the car. I'm going to tell you that it, it, it can, a lot can happen between now and that car. Come on. There's some others you need to move. I feel specifically in my heart there's some young men that need to move in this room. I feel specifically in my heart there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's some young people in this room that need to move. In other words, you, you, you have played around with God and God is saying, I see the game and I'm saying, game over. Game over. It's time to get real about me. It's time to have a passion for me. You can't live one way when you're here and another way when you're at, in, in school with your friends. You've got to be my light. You've got to be salt and light. You've got to be fire. You've got to be fire. If that's you, you know if I'm talking to you, come. Come. There's some of us standing in this room and we're saying, but you don't understand what's going on in my life, the lifestyle I'm in. That I, I, I got to straighten that out, then give it over to the Lord. You'll never do it. Give, come to the Lord and then you worry about, with His help, getting that straight. Amen? Get His help. Get His help. Come on, there's some praying now. Let's all over this room, let's find a place. Let's pray. Take somebody by the hand if you can. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. That the fire of God, the fire and the passion of God would fill their lives right now. Amen. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you'd like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.